Sister Sandra, we're in Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it uh, to go with them unto Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like uh, to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried, Every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word tonight, and um, I thank you uh, for uh, this special time that we have to uh, remember uh, the incarnation of your blessed Son and how you did come to earth and, uh, and uh, in a manger and, and, Lord, in such a humble way. And, and we know that you came uh, to die for us uh, on a cross that, uh, that you might become the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And, Father, we, we praise your name. We look forward to worshiping at the feet of Christ. And, Father, we know that uh, we, will, we will do that, uh, Lord, when you come. Uh, Father, please fill me with your spirit and help me uh, preaching and teaching that which you've laid on my heart for tonight. And be with my dear wife in the nursery and fill her with your spirit <coughs> watching the children. Father, thank you for the good services this morning for your word that went forth. And Father, help us to learn and grow from that work in every heart. We thank you for each one here tonight that we can be together. We thank you for those with us online. I thank you for all the labors that go into these services, Father. So many hands, so many prayers, uh, so uh, many uh, ways that ministering is, is done here. And Father, uh, thank you for all who've, who've, who uh, just continually give their hearts to that. And once again, Father, would, uh, would you just help us as we desire to worship you in spirit and in truth and, and edify your, your church, Father, and, uh, and uh, glorify your name. And, Father, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You may be seated. So, a striking uh, truth that we read here, uh, God speaking to his prophet, very clear message, I want you to go to, go to Nineveh and, uh, and preach what I tell you to preach. And Jonah what? He... He, he flees in the opposite direction. Matter of fact, the opposite direction of the known world. Probably as far as they knew to go. Uh, away from where God, God has, uh, has called him. And uh, he flees. Uh, uh, he's, he's heading uh, for uh, Tarshish. He wants to go from the presence uh, of the Lord. And so he, uh, he goes down to Joppa. And... Uh, Seems like everything works out for him. You know, if Jonah were like some Christians today, he might have been convinced that himself that God was giving him a reprieve uh, from this calling, uh, for giving him a reprieve for his disobedience to this call to Nineveh. 
Maybe it wasn't that serious. I mean, after all, look at how things are working out. He, uh, he's planning to go to Tarshish, and he gets to Joppa, and there just happened to be a ship ready to go to Tarshish. And he, uh, that's where he wanted to go. That's where he was seeking to go. Well, look at that. Uh, they just happened to have room for another passenger. And, uh, and by the way, he just happened to have enough money to pay the fare to get on that ship. Hey, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, maybe God's put a little delay on his calling, you know. It seems to be uh, a work, the circumstances are working things out for him, you know. And, uh, and so uh, surely God must be in this in some way. Uh, it wasn't really that important that I go. And uh, there's so many t ways that we can talk ourselves out of the will of God if we're not careful, you know, just looking at the, at the circumstances around us. Some Christians think that the major step to determining God's will is to see its uh, ultimate effects on their bank account, you know, the bottom line. You know, well, if it all turns out better here, then it must have been the will of God, you know. Uh, well, we have to be careful about that. And, and by the way, I don't mean to be, uh, to be uh, cynical regarding this because uh, God does need to open doors for us and provide things for us to do his will. Uh, he, God does, where, where God does guide, he does provide. And so we have to be careful. You know, we are looking for God to supply needs. We're looking for God to open doors. But we have to be careful because there are times, obviously, when God's going to call us and it's going to cost us something. God's going to call us to something difficult. Or God calls us to something, you know, and, uh, and, and we're assured uh, that that's God's will through doors he's opened. And then all of a sudden things fall apart. And, uh, and uh, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue with God's will? I remember coming out here to start a church. We were wondering where we were going to live. We didn't have jobs and all those things. And we came out here and did some survey trips. And we left, we left here. We had a, a house that we were going to purchase, a manufactured home, and have it put into a park. And, and, uh, and, and, and that was all settled when we got back to St. Petersburg. We got a call from the from the the manufacturer of the of the houses that we had looked at, and uh, we had sure we had discussed distinctly with them what our budget was, and uh, they they came in way over budget. They got done figuring, oh, we can do it for this. Well, we can't do that. We can't do that. So so everything that we had planned fell through. Uh, but you know what? When that happened, God gave a peace. You ever have that peace that passes all understanding? I tell you, I tell you, God gave it. I think that's one of the times I, that I, I experienced that the most in my life. It was such an amazing thing to see God open doors and to go back just amazed at the doors that he opened. And then here, when we get back, everything fell through. And it was just like, God, you're in this. You know, you ever hear, you know, don't doubt in the dark, in the dark what God showed you in the light. <laughs> uh, when things go bad, uh, you stick with what God shows you, what God has already shown you, what you believe he wants you to do. And uh, long story short, God ended up, <laughs> we ended up buying a house we had never seen over the phone, putting it into a park we had never seen over the phone. And, and so when we were driving out here across the country to Oregon, we were, we were driving to a place we'd never been, to a house we'd never seen, which was where we were going to live. And then we would look for jobs that we did not have from there. And God just continued to provide in, 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 the, way, in the way that he does. But it takes you... We can't leave the Holy Spirit out of this thing, walking with God. 
He's going to lead us in ways. There are times that he'll open doors, provide things. There are times that it'll, it'll seem that a door closes, but God will provide anyway. And we have to go, uh, we have to be, to, to, to know that we're walking in the known will of God, that we have that peace, and then we're trusting God to make it clear to us as we go along, willing to do what he calls us to do. And he will guide us um, in, in, in that thing. Uh, but uh, he's able to provide our needs. Uh, some, uh, uh, but some think that God's will is always according to the bottom line, always according, you know, to the uh, 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 to the paycheck. Uh, some uh, 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 Christians uh, have made this major step, determining God's will, to see how it, to how it affects the bank account. Many have uh, practiced this by moving away from a good church to a town where they find a better paying job, but they didn't check out to see if there was a church there. And uh, and uh, and so now that uh, you know, if there's not a good if there's not a good church there, what do you have? You have you have a portion of your life that's out of the will of God. And uh, and so what have you done? You have put finances. You have put your bottom line uh, before the will of God. So what do you do? You're looking for a place where you have a good church and you have a job. Amen. And uh, and that's what you're that's ideal. That's what you're wanting God to provide. And so you look for those things. And, uh, and look for God to work out those things. But what does God tell us to put first? His will, amen. We want to put the known will of God first. That's why in Matthew 6, 31, we're told, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? God will meet our needs. Well, if we just get a hold of that uh, and increase our faith, uh, Jesus went on to say, "For all these things, the gent after all these things, the Gentiles seek. This is what the world lives for. They've got to have it. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, well, where are you going to be clothed? Uh, your material needs. God knows. He goes on to say, Your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. Here it is. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Brother Charlie, would you bring me a glass of water, please? My mouth just dried up like it's a hair desert." All right. Um, <clears throat> so God will provide our needs. You know, he, he, he will take care of us. Uh, and uh, Jonah is fleeing. He is straying from God. And as we go, in, look, go into the study, thank you, Brother Charlie, uh, we'll, I think, see some reasons perhaps why, uh, why he's fleeing. But the fact is, we know it is not a good thing he has done <laughs> because the clear command from God was for him to go to Joppa and now he's fleeing uh, in the opposite direction. That's what our old nature wants to do. Uh, 1 Peter 2.25, you were as sheep going astray. Uh, we talked some about that, the latter part of that verse in the message this morning. But our nature is what? To go astray from God in some way. Why? Because we have turned everyone to his own way. And why do we do that? Because we want to do that. <laughs> that's what our nature wants to do. And we, we think we have things figured out better than God. And so that's what we're, that's what we're kind of prone. That's what we're kind of bent to do. Uh, we sing that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And uh, we always need to be suspect of our own wisdom of our own desires and be in the word of God and, and be talking with fellow believers and, and, uh, and discerning, uh, discerning the, uh, the will of God. <clears throat> we don't want to allow just outward circumstances to direct our life. 
you know, to make the decisions. We want, we want to make decisions according to the will of God, according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we want to be able, we want to, be able to uh, do that. As we go through the study of Jonah, uh, we're going to compare it to uh, some other uh, storms uh, in the Bible and make some comparisons and I hope learn some things from that. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Acts uh, chapter 27, there was a man of God who was about to venture into a storm much like Jonah. As a matter of fact, might even have been the same area, the Mediterranean Sea, for all we know. But uh, it's the Apostle Paul. And he is going to be uh, uh, taken away uh, uh, to Rome, and and uh, and they're going to take. They've now uh, boarded the ship, and they're and they're and they're headed for Rome, and and gonna, and going to take him there as a, as a prisoner. And and the Bible says in Acts twenty seven nine, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was past, uh, Paul admonished them. He says, verse ten, Sir, as I perceive this voyage will be with hurt. And much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, Supposing they had obtained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed close by Crete. And uh, uh, the circumstances were rough, apparently, at this first port. The majority wanted to move on. The expert sailors thought it would be okay. Sure, the rantings from some prisoner preacher would be in, inconsequential. And we all know, as a modified uh, saying of Paul Harvey would be the rest of the story. <laughs> uh, he said would say, "Now here's the rest of the story." But when we think about the Apostle Paul, we knew the rest. Of, we know the rest of the story. You see, they all thought it looks like it's going to be okay. It's not comfortable here to winter. There's a better place with more stuff and more comfort on the other end of the island. And if we can just get there, then we'll be okay. Well, this was a man of God who'd been with God. And, uh, and who was giving them godly advice. And uh, they thought that their wisdom uh, uh, w would be good enough. And you know what? Apart from the mercy, of the, they lost, they, they end up losing what? The ship, everything on it. And apart from the mercy of God, uh, they would have lost their lives also. And uh, why? Uh, they, they put circumstances above uh, what the man of God was telling them. And they should have, they should have uh, listened and, uh, uh, and looking for that comfort. And, uh, and, and, and endangering themselves. Oftentimes the stepping stones to spiritual cowardice are comfort, the crowd, and covetousness. Uh, you know, we might be uh, tempted not to step out into the will of God uh, because it's not going to be comfortable. It's, uh, it's going to be hard on our pride. It's going to be, uh, uh, arouse some persecution. Uh, it's, not what the, it's, not, it's not going to please the crowd. It's going to make some people angry at us. Uh, it's not going to help our bottom line, uh, perhaps sometimes the will of God. And these things might hinder us uh, from being courageous in the will of God. And we need to be sure that we're walking with God and that that doesn't, that, that doesn't happen. Uh, Jonah rose up uh, to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah 1.3. And you've got to be thinking, what is he thinking? He's going to flee 
from the presence of the Lord, okay? Uh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> God's everywhere. Where are you going to run? Think of David, Psalm 139. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I stand up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, sure, the darkness shall cover me, even the light shall be night about me. Where are you going to go? The psalmist there. And uh, then said, I think about Jesus when, the, when he was teaching the hard things, and some of the people started to go away. Because that's just, that's just too hard for us to handle. We talk about, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And, and you know, They didn't stick around and let him explain that the words that I speak unto you, they're spiritual <laughs> and they're life. He wasn't talking literally. But when the teaching got hard, what did they do? They split. And uh, Jesus said in, uh, to them, to the disciples in John 6, 6, 67, will you, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Where are you going to go when you flee from the will of God? What are you thinking? What do you think you're going to find? Do we see how the heart is deceitful above all things and then desperately wicked? You see, what are we, how, what are we believing that we're going to find outside the will of God? Uh, looking at the circumstances can lead us into heartache and trouble. I think of another storm on the sea when the disciples were called to go across the, uh, the Sea of Galilee there. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. They cried out for fear. Straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. By the way, he told them to go across the sea, right? And Jesus says to Peter, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But he saw the wind boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? What happened? Uh, you know, people, people condemned Peter because he, he began to doubt. Hey, at least he stepped out of the boat. Amen. And uh, who else can say they walked on the water? Uh, a bit nobody but Jesus okay and uh, Peter stepped out they were in the will of God going across that that sea Peter was in the will of God stepping out of that boat but then he started looking around he started looking at the circumstances and uh, and he got his eyes off of Jesus and that's when he began to sink Jesus didn't let him go did he <laughs> he saved him he still saved him didn't he and, uh, and, and God's mercy God's mercy is there for those who are diligently seeking him uh, even in our times even in our times of weakness uh, and so we need to realize that let's not be too hard on Jonah okay because I think as we go through this we're going to find in a lot of ways we, we, we're, we're like Jonah uh, we tend to flee from just exactly what God wants us to do and, uh, and, uh, and we need to, to, to learn and realize that uh, when we think about when we pursue our desires that are contrary to God's will, which is what Jonah was doing, uh, we have allowed our hearts to deceive us into thinking that our own counsels are better than God's. Um, uh, and that somehow, without God's help, we'll be able to carry out our plans and we'll find the happiness we're seeking. Isn't that what we're thinking? Isn't that what we've done? 
uh, I think about that. What is that? That is a misplaced trust. You see, we're thinking we can do it. We can do this. Or we can see God's clear will in the word of God and put it off. And somehow my putting it off will be inconsequential. Isn't that what we tell ourselves? When we just go ahead and put it off? Whether we want to admit it or not, that's what we're telling ourselves. By the way, that's what Jonah was telling himself, right? And, uh, and we need to be careful about that. We are trusting in our own strength, trusting in our own wisdom, and, 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 and uh, taking lightly or despising, in other words, the commandments of God saying, well, it'll be, it, I, it'll be inconsequential if I don't follow God here. And that's a mistake we don't want to make. Uh, that's a mistake Jonah made here. And, uh, and we see that God will pursue Jonah. And, and he, by the way, will pursue each one of his as we stray from him. But it's trusting in our own strength. Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. See, when our heart departs from the Lord, who are we trusting in? Our own strength, our own arm, our own wisdom. Uh, what, what is that person like? He shall be like the heath in the desert. Who shall be like the heath in the desert? He shall be like the heath in the desert, shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. Uh, how sad that is. Um, God loves Jonah. Uh, God has a plan for Jonah. Jonah's running from God. If he's trusting in himself and continues on that path, at the same as you and I, he can become what? Like a heath in the desert it's just like a, a scrub brush it's a it's a, it's a brittle uh, plant in the desert uh, uh, leaves uh, uh, you know not much to it uh, uh, one uh, writer writes he says about th this picture that, that, that God is making here uh, the prophet here puts uh, before us two highly finished pictures in the one the hot desert stretches on all sides the, f the fierce sunbeams like swords slay every green thing the salt particles in the soil glitter in the light. No living creature breaks the melancholy solitude. It is a wasteland where no one came nor hath come since the making of the world. Here and there a stunted gray prickly shrub struggles to live and just manages not to die. But it has no grace of leaf nor profitableness of fruit and is only and serves to make the desolation more desolate. And uh, that's an amazing thing. You know, I, one of the things that amazes me, and I've said this before, uh, one of the things that amazes me is the misery that people are able to live in and get used to. It is such, such a sad thing to see that. Because God never intended that. I think about in Jeremiah 17, he says, about they'll be like the heath in the desert. They shall not see when good cometh. They're blind to the good. You see, the good for Jonah was what? To go to Nineveh. <laughs> uh, but because he was trusting in himself and disagreeing with the Lord 
and running the other way, he became what? Blind to what was good for him. You see that? Uh, uh, he shall not see when, when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. Did you get that? They're going to live in a place not intended for anybody to live, okay? God didn't intend, intend his people to live out of his will. And we're not made for that. And no wonder there's such misery among mankind. And by the way, especially believers. Sometimes I think believers suffer more because we, because we know the truth. And, uh, and, and we have the, uh, not only the misery of the sin, but the, the additional misery uh, uh, of the spirit that we're, that, that we're grieving inside of us. And, uh, and so it becomes a, 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 almost a double torture, it seems, for, for, for a believer. What a sad picture that is. And it's amazing uh, what the misery that people can put up with, just knowing that they're living out of the will of God, but not wanting to get right. And God doesn't intend that for us. But then Jeremiah goes on to write, and this should sound familiar, Psalm 1, talks about the tree planted by the waters. Thus is the man that trusted in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be, shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Uh, so what, what is that? Not careful in the year of drought. This tree is planted by the waters. The drought's going to come, but this tree is by the waters. Its roots go deep. It gets waters even in the dry season. And so it's, it's, going, it's going to bear fruit. And, uh, and we get our waters even in the dry season, don't we? Uh, our water is the spirit of, of the living God. And uh, he gives us, uh, he is uh, you know, our, our refreshing. He is our sustenance uh, and the word of God. And so uh, even in this dry world that has nothing of life to offer us, we can be fruitful and bearing fruit. Trusting God. <clears throat> that idea of a heath has the idea of stripped, destitute. You can picture that's what God wants to do to a believer. Just stripping you of your joy and the fruits of the Spirit and, you know, and all, that, you know, all that would reflect Christ in you and in me. And so that you're just in that misery, in that place where you're just hanging on, <laughs> just getting by another day, you know, like that heath you know, in the wilderness. No. God has, uh, has uh, so, much, so much more for that. <clears throat> the other picture carries us to the brimming river where everything lives because water has come. The picture, pictures are colored by the eastern experience. In those lands, more, more, than, more than beneath our humid skies and weaker sunshine, in those eastern lands, the presence or absence of running water makes the difference between barrenness and fertility dipping their boughs in the sparkling current and driving their roots through the moist soil, the bordering, the, the bordering trees lift aloft their foliage and bear fruits in their season. Thank God that you and I can do that too. Jonah uh, fled from the presence of the Lord. And we read in the passage there, he went down to Joppa. And he went down into the ship. And he went down into the sides of the ship where he lay down and he and later on God would see to it that he went down into the sea and that he went down into the great fish 
I want to tell you, when we're fleeing from God, there's only one direction that we're, that we're headed, and that's down, okay? Uh, and uh, that, that, that's just it. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the direction that, J- that Jonah went. And by the way, uh, he's headed for Hebrews 10, 31. Is it, a fearful, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands uh, of a living God. And, uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, uh, uh, that is where we're headed, where we're willfully running the other direction. And uh, God is going to uh, uh, pursue us. Uh, but before we consider the severity with which God will pursue Jonah, and he will pursue Jonah with severity, uh, before we consider that, we need to remember uh, the love that God has shown for Jonah and for all of us, uh, lest uh, we think what has befallen Jonah uh, be too harsh. Uh, being aware that the same treatment may befall us uh, in, in some way. But we, if we have to remember that this same God who will pursue us with severity, that we might walk in his will, has already pursued us with a severe love. Amen. He's already pursued us with a fervent love. And he has come down to deliver us from our fleeing. He has come down to deliver us from our self-deception. And to help us walk and to be like that tree. To make us like that tree that is planted by the river. Uh, by the rivers and by the rivers of living water uh, and such. <clears throat> so I want to thank. As Jonah was going down and God was going to deal with him severely. To bring him back and bring him to repentance. I want us to remember how God came down for us. That he might lift us up that he might help us when we find ourselves a Jonah <laughs> and uh, and there are times that we all do if we if we, we realize that we think about how he came you know in, in you know in, in in Luke chapter 2 he came down he came down from heaven and he came and was born as a babe in in that manger and then remember when Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple there was a man by by the name of Simeon waiting there the Lord had led him there and uh, he sees the babe. And the Bible says in Luke 2, 28, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Can you imagine that? Holding that babe and he realizes this is God's salvation. This is God's salvation. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I thought about that phrase there. Thy salvation which thou hast prepared. And then I thought about Hebrews 10.5. What does the scripture say? And when he cometh into the world he saith sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me. What's he saying there? God is saying all those sacrifices and offerings. They don't get it. They don't take away sin. They were only pictures of what I was going to do. Now I'm pushing them aside. And what they have pictured is now here. Because what God wanted was a body. What God wanted was a body that would render perfect obedience to his law. That's what he wanted. And he would settle for nothing less. And God has prepared. Thou hast pre- a body hast thou prepared me. <laughs> Our mighty maker stepped into that body. 
that was prepared for himself uh, to keep that law uh, for you and I. And uh, we read in 1 Peter 2.24, And then he in that body kept that law and lived that life perfectly. And then the Bible says, because he did that, then what else was he able to do with that body? Who in his own self bear our sins in his own body. That's why he prepared that body. In his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. We talked about that this morning. Brought back to the Lord. Why? Because of what he did in that body. That perfectness. He kept the law. Then put our sins on, in, on that body on the cross. Uh, to take them away. What an amazing thing. He became of no reputation. Think about God coming into the world. The miraculous birth. Uh, what an amazing thing. You know the virgin birth was only revealed to Joseph and Mary. The angels, the angel, the message only came to Joseph and Mary. All else was told uh, from them and then word of mouth to others. And did many, did many believe them? Well, apparently many didn't. <laughs> and many were suspicious of them and of the whole circumstances. Matter of fact, the Pharisees would later accuse them, uh, accuse Jesus. He, said, he says, uh, Jesus said to them, you, ye, ye do the deeds of your father. And he was telling them their father was the devil. And they said to him, we be not fornication. We have one father, even God. <laughs> We've heard about your parents, you know. Uh, you were a result of a premarital relationship. And uh, we, heard, we, we know about that. That's what many of them thought. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how God masked himself? How he became of no reputation? How he hid himself in that way? How he humbled himself, we could say. I think about that Bethlehem birth. You know, God would have been putting the flag up there a little, a little bit more brightly if, if, he, if, if, uh, if Joseph Mary just lived in, Beth, you know, in Bethlehem at the time. You know, and, and Jesus was born there. But no, they weren't living there. They were living in Nazareth. And by the way, Nazareth. <laughs> There's another way he masked himself. The wrong side of the tracks. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel said? And then just for a moment during the census and the, tax, and the, and the taxing uh, uh, of Caesar, they, they, they go, they spend a little while in, you know, in Bethlehem and he's born there then. And it seems later, even many of the public didn't know that had happened. Uh, God humbling himself, uh, come, low, lowering himself. When they were questioning about whether he was the Christ or not. This, some said, this is the Christ. Some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Had not the scripture said that Christ cometh out of the, out of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? They hadn't heard the story about Bethlehem, say. They thought he was uh, you know, out, of, uh, out of Galilee. Apparently, not everybody heard or believed that. God hiding himself, uh, the high and holy one. And by the way, he appeared, how? In the likeness of sinful flesh. Now granted, this is what our Lord is starting out with. These circumstances around him. All these scriptures clearly speaking of Messiah. Born in Bethlehem. But that was kind of a secret. By circumstance in Jesus life. 
Uh, what an amazing thing. From Nazareth, the wrong side of the tracks. Messiah going to come from there? By the way, he appeared in the likeness of sinful flesh. Romans 8, 3. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. What does that mean, a likeness of sinful flesh? Well, it's very simple. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, until Christ showed up, if you're a person, you're a sinner. What does a sinner look like? Draw anybody in the world that you ever know except for one person. That's Jesus Christ. So when he came to the earth, he came what? In the likeness of sinful flesh. Most people would say, there's a man, there's a sinner. By the way, it seems like that's what the Bible said, didn't it? It seems like that's what the scripture said. Many scriptures. Uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There it is. Uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. You the son of man that he should repent. Uh, Romans 3, 4. Uh, yea, that God be true in what? Every man a liar. This is flesh. And this is the circumstances that Jesus came and lived under to present himself to the world that they might believe he is deity. <laughs> you talk about a lowly savior. You talk about one who is trusting fully in the power of God. That, 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 that he came that way. Uh, that, 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 he, that God would shine through him. And even through all of that, uh, he, people would be convinced. Uh, remember what the, 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 the Pharisees and such said to him? All this, these, these things around him making it hard to believe that he, that, he, that he is deity and divine. They said, For a good work stone we not, but for blasphemy, and because thou being a man, what? Makest thyself God. <laughs> you see, he was teaching about his oneness with the Father. <laughs> And about his authority with the Father. And they were getting it. But they were seeing a man. And they were having some real problems with that. And with the circumstances around it. But that didn't stop Jesus, did it? Uh, no, he kept on doing what God had let him do. And uh, I think about this. He was deprived even of sibling love. Neither did his brethren believe in him. Now think about that. I mean, he started his, you know, uh, 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 public ministry being around, around 30 years old or so. And we know that he was serious in, in, in working in, in, in the will of God at age 12. He was about his father's business. But there's a lot of growing up between 12 and 30. I know he was the, you know, the, the firstborn. He was the oldest brother. But he's got a family growing up behind him, a brothers and sisters, by the way, who don't believe in him. That's a problem, isn't it? That's contention, isn't it? He, he, he lacked that, that, that sibling love. It seems from the scriptures that somehow, we don't know how or why or the details of it, he didn't, he, his father just disappeared out of the picture. Uh, we don't see Joseph mentioned after Jesus is 12, 12 years old. He's never mentioned, Joseph's never mentioned again in, in, in the Bible, except for, you know, uh, that Jesus, they 
mistakenly mentioned that Jesus was his son, not realizing you know, the virgin birth. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. He did all this. Why? He, he, he lowered himself. Why? So that he could put our sins upon him and upon that body. Because we had gone to a lowly place <laughs> in our sin. And he came down. And he did all that. Humbled himself. So that he could put our sins on that body. And die for us and rise again. Even his brothers didn't get it. There's no man that doeth anything in secret. And he himself seeketh to be known openly. <laughs> what are you doing going around doing all this? And we don't see it. Just do a great miracle in the middle of town in front of, you know, in front of all the leaders, in front of all the, you know, the, the leaders of Jerusalem and such. He didn't go for that. He didn't go for that. And they were amazed. They said, no man doeth anything in secret. He himself seeketh known openly. In other words, no man just does things for others. But they were mistaken, weren't they? <laughs> Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. What? He was looking upon the things of others, wasn't he? He was totally here for others. Those others is you and me, amen? He was here because he loved us. He wanted to help us. He wanted to save us. He wanted us. He wanted to save us, Jonas. Jonas is, Jon, I would, Jonas is, how do you plural, say Jonah, plural? He wanted to save us from our fleeing from him, amen? He wanted to, to, to save us so that we would walk in the will of God. So, when we come back, we'll be, Sunday nights, be looking at God's severity toward Jonah. But we'll remember already. You see, God's plan to do all that was in place before Jonah came on the scene, okay? Uh, Jonah was one of those, like you and I, and like the whole world, that Jesus did all that for. And, uh, and so we'll, when we look at God's dealing with Jonah, we'll remember that as well. And that'll give us the rounded, more round, the rounded picture that God wants us to have in his dealings, uh, in his dealings with Jonah. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings and goodness. And, and Father, uh, I thank you for your word. And, and it is amazing to think of how true your word is. Um, Father, when uh, people write... Uh, stories about themselves and we read historical accounts uh, many times it's only the good parts of people's lives that they share but we see so much different about Jonah God we see uh, the errors that he made uh, but Father we also see repentance and Lord you you gave a parable about that uh, one person that had said to his Lord he was told what to do and he said he said I go sir but he didn't go Another person said that he wouldn't go, yet he went. And Lord, you said in that story that he was the one who obeyed. Frankly, that's what Jonah did. Uh, he got it right. Uh, and he did serve you. Uh, and you did use him. And Father, I, I, I pray to help us to remember that. Help us to learn from the life of Jonah. And to see our own weaknesses, God, in places where we may be straying from you and taking lightly. Uh, something that you have led us to father uh please help us in that and be with us now as we uh will be celebrating this christmas season some more and uh bless the gatherings that we plan should you tarry father and but help us day by day moment by moment uh to be looking to you wanting to live for you glorify your name and say the say the good word do the good deed 
that you'd have us to do wherever and to whomever uh, that may be. And Father, we pray you'd help us in that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.